So throughout all month, uh, we've been talking about this series, Church Matters, and we have dug into some things uh, from church membership to giving uh, to groups and teams. Over the last couple of weeks, we've given uh, you the opportunity to, uh, to make your membership kind of official, like if you've never done it before. So uh, before we go any further, um, Robin has the same cards, if, uh, and, and we've been handing them out for two reasons, so let me cover that real quick. If uh, you haven't been here uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, you're a part of mission, uh, you're in our database, and you've moved, your address has changed, an email address has changed, a phone number has changed, you've brought uh, additional kids into the household, just whatever has changed, and we don't have an update of that, it would really be helpful if we did. Number two, if you haven't yet uh, said, I want to join mission, that's the other thing that this card is for. Uh, one per family, it doesn't have to be one per person, one per family. Um, so if you want to do the membership um, uh, step or if you want to update uh, your information, would you raise your hand? Robin's going to bring a card. Is there anybody that hasn't had a chance to fill one out? Anybody in the balcony? I don't know why I asked. There never is. I'm just picking on the people in the balcony. No offense. Anybody else? Anybody? Make sure we got everybody. Got one right down here. <clears throat> going once. Going twice. All right. Good deal. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. He's so shy. I had to really convince him to do it. <laughs> um, couple of other things while we're on the housekeeping topic. Uh, if you didn't grab one of these last week, this is the Baby Bottle Boomerang for the Pregnancy Resource Center of Stanley County. They are a great ministry partner. This is one of their key fundraisers. You can take this bottle and fill it with change. You can put cash in it. You can write a check. Uh, bring it back within the next couple of weeks. We will get them to the PRC. They are such a great resource to our community to advocate for life and to help support and bring resources uh, to those that may need them uh, when they discover they are pregnant. Uh, also, if you did not get one of these last week, uh, Pastor Adam put together a card that's got all of our group opportunities on it uh, and then also serving opportunities. There are a lot of ways that you can serve here at Mission. So I hope you'll take the time and grab one of these. If you're still relatively new and you're not sure if you're ready to take that step, that's fine. Just grab one of these and you can have it to kind of look over and read over and just kind of think about uh, as you keep checking out mission. Also, we're about nine days away from starting a grief share. Uh, again, if you or somebody you know has, uh, is walking through uh, the death of a loved one, uh, I cannot emphasize enough how important Grief Share can be. Uh, it's going to be on Tuesday nights at 6.30 starting February the 6th. It'll run for 13 weeks. Uh, for a lot of people, grief is very isolating. One of the things that people who have gone through grief will say is, I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like nobody understands. One of the great things about Grief Share is it puts people in the room together who are on a similar, I just about fell down, um, on a similar path. And so um, you can grab those cards in the lobby. If you know of somebody that you think this could be beneficial, please pass this along. I think that's one of the things in, in our communities, in our society that is lacking is just this willingness to tackle grief head on. 
uh, all the, uh, so many people that go through Grief Share say it's one of the best things they've ever done. So if you can help get the word out, that would be great. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, we've talked a lot of things about church matters. Uh, and so today we're going to close the series by talking about baptism. Uh, we're going to close by talking about baptism today. Now, one of the things that's uh, really interesting and I think fascinating about the New Testament church is that when you look at the Old Testament, baptism does not occur in the Old Testament. It exclusively comes onto the scene in terms of a, a spiritual and faith observance once we get into the New Testament. We see baptism start with John the Baptist. He is the one that was prophesied that would be the, uh, the, the, uh, the proclaimer of the Messiah. He says he came out of the wilderness and he started uh, preaching a message of repentance and baptism. Repentance and baptism. And so there were many that, that followed him uh, through this baptism observance. But then we read, we're not going to look at the passage as a part of today. But we read that Jesus comes into the waters with John and says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, wait a minute, you should be baptizing me, which means John fully recognized who Jesus was. But there was, uh, there was, uh, there was an obedience factor there that Jesus went through uh, before his public ministry began. And it says that when John baptized him and brought him out of the water, uh, a dove came down and rested upon him. And the voice of God was heard saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Jesus uh, referenced baptism many times. And he talked about being baptized with water. And he talked about being baptized by the Holy Spirit. We fast forward into uh, the book of Acts. And very early on in the book of Acts, baptism is an important part of the function uh, of the early church. And so what we hope to get out of today is talking about why baptism is important, why we baptize, uh, but then how we approach baptism is very important also. Now, bat to baptize uh, comes from the Greek word baptizo. Uh, and really, here's just kind of a functioning definition to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, or to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water. So right out of the gate, let me say this. When you see about how baptism is conducted in the New Testament, when you read a definition like this, this is why the Baptist tradition is baptism by immersion. To totally submerge somebody and bring them up out of the water. One thing I hope you don't hear today is, is kind of a negative about how other denominations may do it. That is, not, that is not my intent. That's not what I'm here to do. I just want to talk about how, how we observe baptism uh, at mission, but then also why baptism is important in the life of the believer. Now, I'm going to kind of jump around with some New Testament uh, verses. The first one is going to be Colossians chapter 2. Paul is writing this small letter to the church at Colossa. And here's one of the things that he says about baptism. He says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was yet to be 
cut away. One of the things I like about the New Living Translation is that's literally what happens when we enter into a relationship with Jesus is that our sinful nature is to be cut away by the living presence of Christ within us. Then God made you alive with Christ and forgave all. How many? All of our sins. How great is that gospel of, of Jesus Christ that all of our sins are forgiven. So Paul's doing a really good job here explaining about the, uh, about the power of baptism and why baptism is important. And so one of the things that I want to talk about for the next little bit is what is baptism, just in terms of how we look at it um, in light of what Paul wrote, but then also some of the other verses. Now, all throughout the New Testament, baptism is a response to salvation. Baptism is a response to salvation. Sometimes in our religious practice, and religion being man-made, and the way we organize ourselves around the practice of religion, sometimes we get the cart before the horse, and we baptize before salvation. Uh, one of the things that, one tradition that came out um, a few hundred years ago that still carried on today is during a time of great plague, um, there were a lot of parents that were losing young children. And so one of the things the church at the time started doing was practicing infant baptism. And that kind of came about as a way to uh, maybe kind of ease the fear of parents not knowing, like, if my child doesn't make it through, uh, you know, this disease or this virus or this illness that's going around, is my child going to be in heaven? Uh, and so we've kind of carried that practice on uh, because one of the things that uh, the New Testament is very clear about is that every one of us must make a decision on what we do with Jesus. Uh, it's not a decision anybody can make for you or I. It's a decision that every one of us have to make that we recognize our sinful nature we recognize our need for forgiveness and that Jesus is the way to salvation. There has to be an acknowledgement of that. There has to be a yielding of our will and our heart um, to Jesus Christ. And that baptism follows that decision. It doesn't pre that decision. Because sometimes if, if we, we may have a tendency to say, well, if my parents baptized me as a child, then I've already been baptized, so I must know God. Well, we all need to be able to look back and remember a time that we uh, surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. So baptism is a response to salvation. And all throughout the New Testament, that's exactly what we see in Acts chapter 2. We, we mark Acts chapter 2 as the beginning of the New Testament church. That's when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and starts to preach about Jesus, him crucified, and him uh, risen from the dead. And here's what verse 37 says. Peter's words pierced their hearts, their hearts being all those that were gathered and could hear Peter. And they said, brothers, what should we do? So they were under such conviction about what Peter was saying that their first reaction is like, what have we got to do? Like in light of everything you've just said, Peter, what have we got to do? Peter said, each of you must 
One, repent of your sins. Number two, turn to God. And then number three, be baptized. So it wasn't like, you know, uh, repent of your sins, turn to God, and eh, if you want to, eh, if it's convenient. You know, I mean, he included baptism in, in this response to what God does with our salvation. He says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so that is a response to our salvation. Now, there's a couple of ways that we see this at work, uh, especially the way we look at baptism here at Mission. Number one, children can be baptized and will be baptized, but once they understand the gospel, once they believe in Jesus and repent of their sins, which means children need to be at a place in life that they are consciously aware of their own sin their need for Jesus, and calling upon him as their Savior. Now, some kids can reach that a little bit younger, some a little bit older, so we don't necessarily put an age on it. It, it is whatever point they reach that conscious understanding. Um, some may call that the age of accountability. Uh, maybe you've heard that term uh, or that phrase used um, before. One of the things that we started doing a few years ago, and I think this is one of the best things that we've done at Mission in, in, in quite a while, is we started having I'm a Christian now. And it's specifically for elementary age children from, you know, kind of early elementary on up through fifth, sometimes even sixth grade, even though that's middle school. Because one of the things that has happened uh, several times leading up to us bringing that class as a part of what we do at Mission is that we were baptizing children who weren't quite fully understanding of what it was that was going on. And, and at that point, we started feeling very strongly that we were doing a disservice to the child, uh, but also to the family. And sometimes, you know, parents get really excited and they really want their kids to take that step. And it's something that they did as a kid. So they want their kids to do it. And, you know, maybe they start kind of nudging and, and kind of pushing a little bit. And they, they really want their kid to be baptized. And we completely understand that. However, as the church, we, uh, we started feeling more and more strong that we needed to be responsible in what our children knew when they went into the baptistry to be baptized. And so part of I'm a Christian now walks each child through what the Bible says about their sinful condition, because we're all born into sin, uh, what it says about Jesus as the Savior who died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and that by believing and confessing in him, then our sins are forgiven and we have entered into salvation. Once that is understood, we have no reservation with any child being baptized. And as a part of that class, uh, the leaders uh, will go back to you as parents and say, look, your, your child understands what's going on. We're fully confident that they are aware and that they know what's going on. And we're excited about them being baptized. And we know you're going to be excited about it too. It's one of the best things that we have done to ensure that all of our children that's been entrusted to us at Mission understand what it is they're doing when they are baptized. So yes, children, but once they understand, once they believe, and once they repent. But then we will baptize adults who come to Christ. 
And, and, and you know, sometimes it's like, well, yeah, anybody that comes to Christ can be baptized. But one of the reasons I wanted to park here for a second, if you, if you have ever seen any kind of study or data about religious involvement involving different age groups, time and time again, here's what we see. If a child does not accept Christ by the time they are finished with middle school, the chances of them coming to know Christ drop dramatically. And, and I'm not talking like 10% or 20%. Like I'm talking about 70 to 80%. That's huge. And so anytime somebody who is an adult who has lived a significant portion of their life comes to know Jesus and goes through baptism, that is significant. That's one of the reasons why we talk so much at Mission about you inviting friends, inviting family, inviting your neighbors. Because look, there are more people in our county right this very moment that are not in church than are in church. If you were to leave here right now and drive to Walmart, you might not find a parking place. Because that's the time that a lot of people are going to go. They're not sitting in houses of worship. They're not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not hearing about why they feel empty, why life feels meaningless, why they can't seem to gra get a grasp on why they are on this earth. We don't know those things unless we know Jesus. And so when people come to Christ as an adult, it's a huge deal. I get emotional every time I think about the adults that I I've had the privilege to baptize because life took them down a path. And because of that path, they found Jesus and were radically changed because of the presence of God in their life. God help us if we ever stop celebrating that significant event when an adult comes to know Christ. We celebrate our kids too, don't get me wrong. But you know, part of it is they're your kids. They're here because you're bringing them. Like, it's not optional, right, for some of them? You know, like, if you're living in my house, you're going to church, right? You know, but it's so different as an adult because we have all got the freedom of choice to either embrace God or go the other way, to live our lives for Christ or live for ourselves. We've all got that choice. But then there's a third category, and that's adults who come back to their faith. And I think, you know, some of you in this room may fall into this category. You grew up in church, you were baptized as a kid, and then your life went another direction. As soon as you got that first kind of hint of freedom, man, you were gone. You were gone from structure, you were gone from control, you were gone from church. Like you just, you did whatever you wanted to do. And that's kind of a natural thing that happens for a lot of people. But then at some point, maybe you get married, maybe you have your first child, uh, maybe the wheels fall off. Something kind of becomes a catalyst for you to think about, you know, maybe I need to be back in church. Maybe my faith needs to be important to me again because I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes I made. 
I, I, don't, I don't want my kids to go down the path uh, that, 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 that I took. And if I, can, if I can do anything to influence them to not go down that path, that's what I'm going to do. And so sometimes there will be adults that will, that will reach out to me or talk to me and say, look, I want to th- I, I be baptized again because I didn't know what it was about then because I was a kid. Um, or I, maybe I knew what it was about, but I just went my own way. And I've done a lot of things, and I'm coming back to Jesus. I really want to do this because I know what it means. I know the importance of it, the significance of it the statement that I'm making in front of other people. So baptism follows salvation. The second thing about baptism is that it is symbolic. Now, when we say something is symbolic, it's a physical symbol of something deeper and greater. Uh, One kind of comparison is uh, the wedding ring, if you will. Like some of you work in jobs that you don't really want to wear your wedding band because it's either going to get caught in something or, or it might cut into you. It's just kind of in the way. If you take that wedding ring off, it doesn't mean you're not married. But, you're, but, but, but the ring is that physical symbol. It's that symbol that you wear that represents the commitment you made to that person before God. Because it's a spiritual commitment as well. It's not just a physical union in the eyes of the state. It's a spiritual union before God. So that ring carries that symbol. Baptism is symbolic also. Because our salvation is a spiritual event. When we uh, confess our sins and believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he comes into our life and he makes us alive uh, because of his presence, that happens in here. We can't see that with the physical eye. We can see the after effects of it. We can see a changed life. We can see the fruits of the Spirit. We can see people getting serious about their faith and the way they talk and the way they engage. But it all happens in here. So baptism is that physical act that is symbolic of what has happened in our heart. Listen to what Peter says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, two things here I want to kind of park on for just a minute. The first thing he says is that baptism is is a response with a clean conscience, meaning I stand in those waters of baptism knowing that I've confessed my sin, that I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that everything that has happened is is covered by the blood of Jesus, that I stand not on my own uh, as a good person or a moral person, but I stand on what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I go into those waters with a clean conscience because I'm standing there as a response to my salvation. I'm not going because because somebody else has compelled me to go. I'm not going because somebody thinks that's what I should do. I'm not there to impress somebody. And believe me, I've heard stories about how guys would be baptized to, to try to impress a girl in the youth group. Boy, guys, we'll do some stuff, won't we? You know? But it's, it's not any other reason other than it's a response to our salvation. And and Peter says we do that with a clean conscience. And also, look, 
Just because we go through the waters of baptism doesn't mean we have our life figured out, doesn't mean it's straightened out, doesn't mean we aren't going to mess up again, doesn't mean we aren't going to sin again, doesn't mean, but what it means is that our intent is to follow Jesus and do life his way. And when we can do that with a clean conscience, that we are saying, God, I'm all in on your way. I'm all in on the way you want me to live my life, the way you want me to do things. I can stand there with a clean conscience. But then he says, it's effective because of the resurrection of Christ. Now, going back to the Colossians passage, uh, Paul also referenced about Jesus being raised from the dead. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation, there is no Christianity, and there is no need for baptism. All of this hinges on the power of the resurrection and the act and the event of the resurrection of Jesus. So when people come into these waters, um, here's what it's symbolizing. You come into the water symbolizing your old life before Christ. You are lowered into the water symbolizing the burial to your old life as Christ was buried in the grave after his death. Then you are raised up in the newness of life as Jesus rose from the grave to conquer death, hell, and the grave. That's a powerful symbol. There is no other way, there, there's no more clear or powerful way to symbolize what happened with Jesus and in us than going into those waters and coming back up again. And contrary to, to some fear, um, you're only underwater a second. There's no holding until the kicking stops, okay? <laughs> Because I know some of you, like, I don't want my head to be underwater. I don't know how long I'm going to be under there. You know, like, you know, it's, you're in, you're out. That's it. You're in, you're out. I mean, it's just a, a total submersing in water and right back out. That's what makes baptism so powerful is it's symbolic. So with that being said, baptism does not complete somebody's salvation. Like, you're not partially saved until you're baptized. That, that's not how this works. Like, you are saved because of your confession uh, to Jesus, confession of sin, belief in him as the, uh, as, as the Messiah, and acknowledgement of your sin. That is salvation in a nutshell. Baptism is the outward symbol of the decision that you've made. So your salvation, my salvation, is not completed because we've been baptized. Uh, if you've ever uh, been involved in work with patients uh, that are close to death or dying, like hospice care, nursing home care, palliative care, um, sometimes when people get to that point in life, they start questioning a lot of things. They start wondering a lot of things. And, you know, sometimes somebody might say something like, I, I know I gave my life to Christ, but I was never baptized. Am I going to heaven? And, and at that point, you know, when you're kind of going through that life review and making sure that, you know, maybe my heart's in, in order with God, I mean, that's a fair question. It's an honest question. But biblically speaking, a, an absence of baptism does not mean you are not saved. Because your salvation is, an, is a matter of the heart, not whether or not you went through those waters. I mean, even Jesus said to the thief on the cross beside him, when the thief said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So there, there isn't something about baptism that, 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 that makes the salvation more final or more complete. It is simply a symbolic act 
to represent what's happened in our hearts. So I just mentioned that it symbolizes a physical act to our death, to our sin, and raising in new life. However, don't you love it when I give you a whole point and then say however? Even though it's symbolic, baptism is also an act of obedience, so it's not a part of our salvation. It is an obedient response to our salvation. Listen to what, again, what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. You know, I read this earlier. Each of you must repent, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. So in, in other words, uh, our baptism is an obedient response to God for our salvation. And it is the and, and what we would say is it's the first act of obedience. One of the things about the Christian life is that it should be marked by areas of our life where we are yielding and being obedient to the leadership of God in our life. If we believe in God but we're doing whatever we want to do, there's a huge disconnect because God is going to lead us to do certain things in our life or remove certain things from our life based on the leadership of his spirit. If there's not something that's marking your spiritual journey with obedience, then I really want to encourage you to take a step back and come back and say, God, what am I really doing with my relationship with you? What am I really doing with my belief in you? Um, I heard a couple of things a couple of weeks ago after the giving message that there were people that said, you know what? I'm not being obedient in this. And, and they're making a decision to do something different. Last week, there were people that said, you know what? I'm not really serving. I'm not really doing a lot for others. I really need to take that step. That's not because I said it. It's because the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, has led somewhat somebody to take a step that they need to take. So in other words, baptism needs to be led for each and every individual. Yes, it is the first act of obedience, but it should be because God has led you to that point to say, I'm willing to stand before other people and confess my belief in Jesus and go through baptism. It does mark the beginning of one's walk with Christ, and it is a public profession in front of the gathered church, friends, and family. In front of gathered friends, the church, and family. Baptism is meant to be a public statement to other people of the decision that you have made to follow Christ. One of the things that we do emphasize when we go into a time of baptism is to invite your friends and invite your family. If you have a relationship with people that may not go to church, but you say to them, I've made this decision in my life and I want you to be there as my friend to share in this day with me, very few people would say no to that. 
because of their relationship with you. They may not know what they believe about Jesus. Maybe they're at a point in life they don't really care much about the church or, or care about giving their life to Jesus. But that baptism can be a huge statement to those that are gathered here. It's one of those things that is a huge opportunity to plant spiritual seeds in the lives of friends and family who gather uh, at those times of baptism. We tell the kids uh, that are finishing I'm a Christian now and working up toward baptism, invite friends from your class, invite friends from your neighborhood. And the great thing about that age is somebody has to bring them. And it's usually a parent. And one of the things that's important for us is families getting connected into church together. Don't miss the opportunity to invite those people. I think that is one of the reasons why uh, baptism is an act of obedience. Because we're being obedient to the Lord that we're making a public profession that Jesus is now my Lord and my Savior. And I know some of you in this room are scared to death death to stand up in front of other people. You do not want to be the center of attention. You do not want all eyes in the room on you. But one of the things about baptism is if you're willing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you're willing to put some of your fears aside for the sake of Jesus, Jesus will use your baptism as a way of planting seeds in the lives of other people. If you're willing to follow his leadership. So as, as we work toward closing, let me say a few things about baptism here at Mission. Um, you know, because I think that's really important to know kind of like how we approach uh, baptism at Mission. Number one, baptism is not required for membership. Like we've made a big membership push over the last couple of weeks. I hadn't said a word about baptism in that membership. Because many of you are coming to Mission from another church. And if you've been baptized at another church and you know you believe in Jesus, you know Jesus is your Savior, and you're coming to us from another church, I'm not going to require that. We aren't going to require that for membership, even if you come from another denomination and you were not immersed. Now, I veer from some of my other Baptist brothers on that. Because I've been a part of churches that, like, if you were a part of another denomination and you were sprinkled and not dunked, well, then you need to be dunked or you're not going to be able to be a member. I think that's, in my opinion, that's where we cross a line to where baptism becomes more religious than it does authentic. Because if, if you've come from another denomination and maybe you were sprinkled, but you know you believe in Jesus, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits are evident in your life. Why would I require that? You already know God. If you want to be baptized by immersion, that's a totally different conversation. We had a family join mission several years ago who came from another denomination. The mother uh, had been sprinkled in that denomination. Her husband and two kids had not. And so when they came to mission, like uh, dad and the two kids wanted to be baptized. And since they were going to be baptized by immersion, she wanted to join them in that baptism. That wasn't a requirement on mission's part. It was a choice on her part. There's a very big difference because if we're going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit about baptism, the Holy Spirit may lead you to say, I want to be baptized this way. I want to be baptized in this fashion because I haven't been before. But we don't require that 
to become a member at mission if you're coming from another church or especially another denomination. Number two, I'm not going to say a lot about this because I've already talked about it. Christians who complete, I'm a Christian now. Parents, we are going to be very hesitant to baptize your child unless they go through, I'm a Christian now. That's just become kind of our standing operation. We want your child to go through it so they know, they understand, they make that decision. And when the leaders sign off and say they know what they're talking about, then absolutely we are excited and ready for your kids to be baptized. But also, those who have never been baptized yet believe. Like, if, if you've just never been baptized, like, you know you belong to Jesus, you can remember when you gave your life to Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've never given, you've never gone through baptism. I just want you to ask the Lord this question. What would you have me do as it relates to baptism? Just ask him that question. I assure you, he will lead you on what to do. And then it's going to be led by him, prompted by him. So your response is to him, not because I preached a message on baptism. Please don't let that be the reason you decide you want to be baptized. Let it be the prompting and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what matters the most and that's what is the most important. And I just said my fourth point, those who are led to be baptized again. Maybe you've been baptized uh, at a a previous time in your life and life has taken a certain path, life has taken a certain course, and you're just like, you know what, I I really want to do this. And remember, make sure you're standing there with a clean conscience, that it's not because you think it's something you have to do, it's something you're led to do. Clear, Clear and clean conscience that you are seeking the Lord's leadership in your life to do his will uh, in, in the ways that he leads you. Uh, so if you, if you have thought about being baptized again, it's the same question. Lord, what would you have me to do? Because when the Lord leads you to do that, When he leads you on that path, you're standing there under the leadership of his spirit, not under compulsion of anybody else, not under the direction of anybody else, not under the encouragement of anybody else, not to satisfy anybody else, but to be obedient to the leadership of the Lord. That is where baptism will mean so much to you personally and to those that are gathered with you on that day of baptism. I hope this has been a helpful kind of unpacking of why baptism is important, what it means, and what it symbolizes. Would you please take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes with me? Here's what I'm going to do. I want to lead us in a prayer around this, and I want you to just kind of have this Um, spirit of prayer. Lord, what would you have me to do? Father, thank you for this great gift of salvation that you have offered all of us. Father, the opportunity to know you as our Savior, to have our sins forgiven, have a place with you in eternity set aside for us. Lord, that kind of love and that kind of grace and mercy this world cannot even touch. Father, regardless of our backgrounds in this room, regardless of our life journey, regardless of our path, 
May we all approach this subject of baptism with great humility and prayer and obedience. Lord, that it not be about me and what I've done, but it would be what you have done. To stand before others and proclaim the work of Jesus, the salvation of souls, and the changing of lives. For that was its intent, as set up by our church fathers so long ago. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, I, I just want to know, because I, I didn't really talk about this, and so we're kind of coming to the end of our service, and uh, maybe you hadn't thought about filling out a connection card or filling out one of those cards earlier. But after hearing today's message and asking the Lord, what would you have me to do? And, and, and please, nobody looking around. If, if you're considering baptism now in light of what you've heard, would you just... Lift your hand for a, for a second. Let me, let me see if there's anybody here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. How great is our God and how he moves and speaks to the hearts of all of those who follow him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before you leave, you can uh, grab a connection card, either in the lobby or just where you're sitting, um, and just take a moment and fill it out before you leave. Um, write baptism somewhere on it, um, and then I'll be in touch with you uh, over the next few days, because there were quite a few of you in this room, uh, and we had a few at the early service too. Um, so I'll, I'll be getting in touch with you, and we can have a, a phone conversation about baptism. Uh, we can just kind of uh, talk about it, um, and then we can um, look toward your baptism uh, in the weeks ahead. Um, Father, thank you for how you've moved. Thank you that there are those that are responding to your voice, your leadership, your spirit. Father, as those that are going to come forward, Lord, may you use their baptism to speak to others. May you use it to draw people to yourself. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.